Welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for June 15th, 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And uh, we are winding down Father's Day here in the States. And uh, we just wrapped up the Stanley Cup final. The Los Angeles Kings are your 2014 Stanley Cup champions. And I think they're an extremely worthy champion. They are built like a modern NHL franchise should be built when you aspire to win the championship. It's um, It's been an interesting process in regards to how they piece that together. There's a lot of draft picks in it, but there's also a lot of trades. But they're trades from original draft picks, if you know what I mean. So the construction of that side looks good. They've got cap space to, to manipulate next next season's roster. So it'll be interesting to see once the dust settles and, and they get to the draft if they you know have got Gabrick signed or, or they let him walk or all those sorts of things. They've got a chunk of change to to do something with that roster. But the, the important core parts are still there. Yep. And I think uh, if I read somewhere correctly that I think sometime in the month of May that they may have agreed to an extension with Gabrick and, ha- and haven't announced it yet because they didn't want it to be a distraction, obviously, during uh, no. you know, the whole playoff run. You know what helps What's the Kings? That? Having well, a Conn Smythe winner at $3.6 million. Yeah, I know. Um, it does. So that's just, to me, that's a little bit of cap luck. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone sort of knows that Justin Williams can, can play at that level, but he's been injury-prone and stuff like that. So they kind of bought low, if you know what I mean. And that's that's the biggest challenge for any general manager is to try and get a guy at a, at a low rate and, and then have him perform above the, the cap hit that you're getting him for. Correct, and they've done that well. Jeez, um, even Kopitar, $6.8 million. That's stealing. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dowdy as well. Seven. That's really good. And he I, he was amazing. Really yeah, they're set up pretty good because um, they may or may not buy out Mike Richards at 5.75 mil. Uh, Do they have to, though? I don't think they necessarily have to. Uh, so I think it merits a discussion. But you get there with it and think, okay, if they buy them out, they get a whole lot of cap space. But who's going to fill that role? I don't know. Actually, in hindsight, I'd buy him out. You would? He signed until 2019-20. Now that's when the cap... Okay, you've got to buy him out now, don't you? Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, there's no... This is the time frame. Um, got no choice. He's certainly... You know... I've actually really liked him as a player for a long time, but he's starting to at least show mild signs of slowing down, maybe even more. And for that amount of, uh, of time left, I mean, one, two, three, four, six more years. Yeah. Um, that's that's a pretty big cap hit for diminishing returns. So. He's just wearing down because of the way he plays. There's a lot of players around the league that um, – because of the physical nature of what they do, their career... You compare today, I think a lot of players play to a, a high-quality level of play to about 35, and then it falls off real quick. 
Um, but some players, it happens to them a little earlier because of the way they play. They're just they're physical players and they get wear and tear. It's got nothing to do with, with work rate or work ethic. It's just their body falls apart a little quicker and they slow down. It just it makes it really, really tough for someone with a contract that long um, to, to stick around for that long. It's not just hockey either. Um, Any sport. The, the NBA Finals are on right now as we're talking, and Dwayne Wade looks 50 years old. And, you know, it wasn't too long ago. He was young, flashy, quick, but injuries and all that. And yep. he looks like a snail now. It doesn't take much in today's pro sports for you to get left behind. If you can't keep your training up through the season or if you miss substantial time in the preseason, you're not just starting a little bit behind the eight ball. You're miles back. You're off the table, basically. If you're an elite-level player and you haven't been able to put in at least high-quality training rather than elite-level training, you drop off so far. And it's just it's unfortunate. Yeah, players aren't having three cigarettes in the intermission anymore. <laughs> no. Which which did happen. So, you know, you start to lose it. There's a fresh, well-trained, you know. Yeah, I mean, the argument, the argument stands in regards to, it used to stand that when you were, when you got to the cup finals, you, you were always, you're always a little bit shortchanged because you're, your preseason was always pushed back before the club could get you back into the club to do all their testing for you and all those sorts of things because it was mandated by the CBA. I actually think now it's a little bit of the reverse. Those players that get that far into the into the playoffs and, and get to play in that last round are actually at a bit of an advantage because they don't have to do that first two weeks of, of hard work to get back into it. They're basically they've done that by, by that area by then because. It takes, for your physical attributes to drop off, it usually takes about four weeks for you to start losing what you've got as a base. So because you you finished so late, you, you haven't started losing that base already. So you've got a good chance to, um, and usually everyone's pretty motivated, particularly if you're the Rangers, to sort of get back into it and, and, and work hard. So if you've come out of the finals and not be injured, you've got a really good opportunity to push forward and improve yourself beyond what you were the, the year you just completed. I'd argue that window's even smaller. If I went two weeks without skating or doing something like that, I felt like I was starting back at ground zero again. I think in hockey it goes away even quicker. The only issue you've got there is that you, you haven't put in the amount of training that these professional athletes should be putting in. For that drop-off to occur, like that two-week drop-off to occur, um, they really would have had to have, have tapered off for the finals and really taken the workload right off. Um, and I don't think that would be wise. Well, I'm not That's trying to compare my training to theirs. No, but like, it's, uh, diminishing, it's diminishing returns. The higher up the chart you are, the smaller the drop-off is. So the lower you are down the chart in regards to your fitness levels, the, the further the drop-off is. It really sucks. Like if you haven't put the work in and then you get injured or or you you um, you suddenly can't do your training or for, for whatever reason, um, it really falls away really quick when you're at the bottom of the bottom of the tree. The further up the tree you go, 
um, the less the drop-off is when you stop. So those guys getting into the playoffs are at a great advantage. And I think another dynamic of that is anaerobic versus aerobic. I think anaerobic goes away a lot quicker, and a lot of hockey is explosive anaerobics kind of stuff. So You get a massive build-up of lactate when you lose your anaerobic, so you can't go for as long. It's really, really tough. So that's, excuse me, it's one of the first areas that does fall apart on you, and it, it, it sucks. And the only way you can keep that is if you keep working. And you can only sort of store X amount of that before you start building up your lactate, and a lot of it can come down to diet. So it's a tough one. You want to go out and enjoy yourself and, and relax for you know a month or so, but you can really put yourself behind the eight ball if you totally drop off the wagon. Well, I think our listeners are good on the physiology of things. Sorry. <laughs> the thing I like the most, a couple things about uh, how, how it ended up in Game 5 was, one, double overtime. It's great. It's great hockey yeah. the whole game. Um, and two, the goal was a goal. There was no doubt about it. It wasn't a deflection off a guy's armpit, off a guy's elbow. It wasn't an accident. It was a good play through the neutral zone with speed that led to a shot on goal and a guy in the right spot just burying it. Give, Mar- give Martinez credit to have the courage in second overtime to pinch all the way down and get to that spot to make, to make that shot. He skated his ass off to get to that spot. Yeah, he built the speed in the neutral zone and dished it off. So he he did absolutely what he what he should have done. And yeah, yeah, it was lucky that you know the puck went right on his stick, but he, he earned that real estate on the ice for that to happen. And Correct. the best part, I mean, the uh, the reaction, and we'll see this over and over as the years go on. I I, I just love his reaction. Yeah. And then you've got to, you've got to feel sorry for the goalie slumped dead in the uh, in the crease, considering how well he played in, in most of the series through the entire playoffs. Really, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty heartbreaking. He was terrific. Um, yeah, that's a tough one for him. Uh, I do think the better team won. Uh, Definitely. But he certainly uh, certainly got him there. I mean, if he doesn't play the way he did in Game 7 of the second round, I, I think Pittsburgh clobbered him Game 7. So he, he certainly, his play during elimination games in the playoffs were, were terrific. Yeah, he was, he was fantastic. You can't, <clears throat> you know, there used to be a little bit of a knock on him that he, he couldn't get his team through the, the, the playoffs, but he did that on his own in reality. Like he, he definitely got them past Pittsburgh and kept them in, in games that they probably shouldn't shouldn't have been involved in. Um, when a team comes back from a two-zip deficit, usually they just go on and, and win them easily. But that wasn't the case with LA. He certainly gave the Rangers chances to win all five games, really. Yes, the Rangers certainly were not outclassed, per se. But, they weren't embarrassed. Um, but the Kings were better. Yeah, I mean, I I got there and said that, you know, the Marty St. Louis thing would get the Rangers through, um, but it just, that feeling ran out of gas by the time they got to the got to the final. It, it was like that emotional ride that they'd 
ridden the crest of it had run its run its race by the time they got through Montreal. So they were going to have to get a lot of puck luck, and they didn't quite get that. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you got Justin Williams playing third line minutes, <laughs> the yeah. Conn Smythe winner. That's it. Just shows you, like you said before, they're constructed so well in regards to where they've got players in the in the lineup. And Jeff Carter's probably stepped up to be the centre that Philadelphia envisaged when they they drafted him. Um, he really takes his game to another level now when it when it matters, which is fantastic. I was never high on him as a player in Philadelphia, um, but he's kind of proven my initial opinion very wrong. He's He's great. He's he's done a terrific job since. That was in Philadelphia. Some places just don't suit players to play at their optimum. And, and you know the rumors were that he was, you know, partying too hard and enjoying himself too much. He's partying um, again right now. Well, yeah, twice in, two, in three years. But you, you get there with it and think to yourself, how how can he not get stuck with that? In LA, if there's going to be any city, I thought you'd, you'd lose yourself in it would be LA. But he's managed to keep it all together and play some extremely quality hockey. Well, there's always the potential of those rumors being overblown. Yes, that's true. So, well, anything else to discuss on the on the Stanley Cup? Nope. I think uh, just congratulations to the Kings and. Uh, Thank you for ending the series early, because now we can talk about the off season, and we'll start seeing uh, we'll start seeing some moves uh, picking up. And today, earlier today, there's actually uh, Bob McKenzie tweeted out uh, the the Ryan O'Reilly situation in Colorado, and basically they're doing a team arbitration where the team takes a player to arbitration. So. Uh, that's unique. That's not a common thing. And basically the difference between when a team takes a player to arbitration versus when a player takes himself there is that the team has to accept whatever's awarded. And when the player takes themselves to arbitration, the team has a choice to decline what he's awarded. So uh, the the Avalanche must be pretty confident that he's going to come off his $6.5 million uh, price tag to, to go this route, I would think. So, either way, he plays for Colorado next year. Maybe. Because if they have to accept the, the arbitration value, whatever it ends up to be... There, there is a window, though, before his hearing where another team could offer sheet him, much like the, the Flames did last year. Right. There's also the chance that they come to a deal on their own before this. Yep. Uh, and, or he could be traded. So it's kind of really interesting situation. I don't know why they're kind of playing hardball with him the way they are, because he's... He was a really good player for them last year. Uh, yeah, I wonder, I wonder what metrics they're using for them to go, he's not worth that much money to us. Because he's a really important part of the way that team plays. Well, here's the catch. I think they do feel he's extremely valuable to their team. The catch of why they would take him to arbitration is that arbitration is kind of 
a little bit of a dinosaur with the numbers. They don't use the advanced stats or anything like that. It's just his, I believe he was minus one this year, plus minus. That minus one means more to uh, the arbitration hearing than any of his possession numbers or, or, or the quality of competition he plays against. Yeah. It's, it's very, arbitration's not up to date with all the information that's out there. So it's basically points, assists, goals, plus minus kind of stuff. Well, that stacks so far to the teams, doesn't it? In this situation, it's not going to help O'Reilly. So it'll be interesting. There's certainly a lot of teams out there that could use his services. Yeah. Hey, just quickly, dude, have you got music playing in the background? I don't think so. <laughs> but I, I, I just don't. Um, I don't understand why Colorado's playing games. It doesn't. It doesn't give a good feeling in regards to um, what they might do in the future. But as you said, they must be pretty confident in regards to where they're going to get impeached for their salary cap. So it's not like it's. It, they're crunched for cap room, though. They've got a ton. Yep, that's true. So Unless they've got internal cap. Well, I don't think they... Well, maybe they do. I can't speak to that. I'm not uh, privy on that information right now. Yep. So that, that happened today. Um, but there are certainly some... Some other guys in play for the offseason. Some some bigger names. Uh, Jason Spezza, obviously, uh, one of the guys that is going to be on the move. I could pretty confidently say he yeah. kind of doesn't want to be around that situation anymore. Is uh, it is it that is it that I want to go somewhere where we're more of a chance to win, or is it? From what I've heard in certain, what I've read in certain places, he just doesn't get along with McLean and he wants out. Or a combination. Definitely a combination. Um, their owner is freaking crazy. Yep. And he's cheap and he's got a ton of terrible investments going on in his private, well, not his private life, but his professional life that's away from hockey. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to try to do things on the cheap. Uh, he keeps talking about stats like points per cost or, or some nonsense like that. How, how many points does he get per for what the dollar amount is? And, <laughs> oh, he's going to do it that way, is he? Okay. <laughs> Which <laughs> doesn't compute with how you actually fill the team. And no. I, I can't blame, blame a guy like Spezza who you know, isn't in his prime, but isn't in his twilight either. He can still play. <laughs> he's still a pretty good player. Why he's would you just stick over, around for that nonsense? Yeah, he's just over the other side of his peak. So it's not like he's, he's hit that the, the really bottom part of that bell curve. So, yeah, you don't blame him for getting out of that, wanting to get out of that situation. Just look at how they treated Alfredson. That wasn't, that was money related. That was strictly financially related. And they, Watch their longtime captain go away for for money reasons. 
Well, not just that. I think his jersey will end up in the rafters as well. I think that's the thing that's most disappointing about the way he was treated in that situation. Well, it all goes back to their insane owner who's more concerned with forensic studies on, you know, the Matt Cook thing than he is with running a proper franchise. Forgot about that. Yeah, he's he's nuts, man. <laughs> all right, so if you look at Spezza, you got any idea where you think he'd go? You told me before we started this that, that Calgary's shown an interest, but I do remember reading that he doesn't want to go to a a really hyped up hockey market. So, I, I think there's obviously truth in that. I also don't think he wants to go to a team that's kind of not on the cusp either. Well, and Calgary is certainly, <laughs> even if, say Calgary wasn't a huge Canadian market, put, put him in uh, another, put him in a southern U.S. market for all I care. That team's not built to where he's probably like, oh, let me, you know, let me no, that's there. right. Yeah. Especially when he has control, at least somewhat control over his destination. And um, I guess the Flames thing, one of the rumored deals or that they may have had in place, I don't know how much of it's true, but it was Hudler, Backlund, Dennis Weidman, and some second and third round picks. So Purely straight for Spezza. Yeah, I'm not sure... Uh, the Senators would be too interested in Dennis Weidman considering they're pinching pennies the way they are. No, but um, player for player, that's a lot that Calgary is giving up. Yeah, they obviously want to make a splash, um, but <laughs> I don't think Spets is quite on board with it. I think, uh, I think there are two teams in the West to look for, and, and we'll talk about some of these other players on the market, and I think these two teams are going to be in on a, a lot of action, and that's uh, the Anaheim Ducks and the, and the St. Louis Blues. I think they'll uh, be two players in the trade market coming up here. Who's who, who's the Ducks' second-line center? They kind of really don't have one. Because Was it Cogliano? I think he was third-line. Yeah, okay, so... The- in that sense, I think you're totally on the money um, in regards to getting Spezza over there. It's just a question of what youth are they going to have to give up because obviously they have to give back something cheap um, to be able to make that trade, and would they be willing? Well, you, you hear names like uh, Emerson Eatham. Uh, I don't think they would trade Jacob Silverberg back to... No, I, would, I wouldn't want to trade, trade Eatham either. Perfectly honest. No, but they're going to have to give to get. Edom yeah. is going to be uh, a name brought up. Palmieri, Benino. Yeah. I, I guess Silverberg could qualify for this. Um, but the, the Ducks have some of these pieces that they could group together to, to yeah, get the same the, guy. Yeah, the assets are definitely there, and it would definitely fill them out through the middle substantially so I can see why they'd look at it I think they should make a move they need a a legit second line center and I know that Spets is one option the other option uh, Ducks could go for is Ryan Kessler and they were heavily rumored during the trade deadline this past year so I think Kessler 
wouldn't mind staying on the west coast anyway so i just think the ducks are in the proper spot to to make that splash and that's not bad for a team that i felt like they overachieved last year or i was surprised that they played as well as they did and you know just ran into the wrong team in the playoffs they were a good team they were not a great team, even though they won the division. Mm. I think if they didn't win the division, they would have been out in the first round. Because they would have been playing L.A. or San Jose in round one. But they uh, <clears throat> they got, you know, the Stars gave them everything they could handle, too. Yeah, that's true. They got a lot of promise moving forward. And now's the time I think they should probably invest in that, while they got Katzlaff and Perry, you know, making the big money, they got to make do now while they're in the prime. Yeah, good point. That's the other thing. If you've got all that money tied up in, in those guys, you've got to make the most of when they're going to give you the best bang for their buck in regards to what they're capping up against. You know, especially since it, Hiller's pretty much off the books, so that four and a half million is usable. Uh, they're going to get extremely good goaltending on, on at dirt cheap with Gibson. Oh, I was going to say who have they got, but I forgot it's the Pittsburgh native John Gibson. So he's going to make seven hundred thousand dollars and give them legitimate starting goaltending. Is that for the next three years, or is he burnt one year of his contract? Next two years, he burnt the the one year. He burnt the one year. Well, it's not bad for him. No. So they're they're in pretty good shape. They have money, a little bit of money to play with. Um, yeah, I, the Ducks make a lot of sense for for a lot of these bigger trades. Uh, the Blues, they're going to be looking to change a little bit of something. They can't keep going at it each playoff year and not get out of the first round. So, a guy like Patrick Berglund, maybe trade bait, and he's a pretty good player. But if they're looking to make a change, you couldn't one for one that with Spezza. No, I don't think that's enough. So you've got to sort of get there and look at what else they can add to that trade. Whether they just take draft picks for that, and whether whether St. Louis would be happy to to give up a little bit of their future, trying to make sure that they do get past. I don't. That. I don't think they have the Miller trade kind of. Oh yeah, actually, what's going to happen in that for them? That's going to be interesting. No, I think they're set. Or whether it works out or not, I don't know. But it's going to be Jake Allen and Brian Elliott. They've already said that. They're calling the kid up from the AHL to, to take over. Fair enough. So where does that leave Miller? Oh, he's he's not going back there. No, that's that's what I mean. Like, um, I just wonder where he does does end up because he's going to want a payday. So I'm not sure he's going to get one. Uh, not after the playoff performance. I don't think he was that bad, but like, you know, he's he's older. I, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't give him big money. Do we do we run with that thing though that general managers have just been, you know, general managers lately have have been giving contracts for past performance rather than what they could potentially. Yeah, so Scuderi is a good example. He's a it was a way too expensive contract for a guy that 
whose history had been good, but no sort of thought process in regards to what might happen in the future. It's sort of, I wonder whether St. Jams are going to actually start changing the way they look at giving their contracts out. And some have. You can tell that, that some have because there's cap space there for teams that haven't gone and given money for past performance. So it'll be interesting to see how that transpires for Miller. Yeah, I don't really have a good gauge on where he's going to go. I know there's a ton of talk about, oh, he's going to the West Coast, his, his wife's an actress, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Both LA teams, I'm counting Anaheim there, they have no use for a high-priced goalie. For one, the Kings already have one, which may or may not be a bad contract. I happen to believe it. it's not a great contract. And the Ducks, like we just said, are going to have a seven hundred thousand dollar, pretty pretty good starting goaltender. So why why yeah why change why, that? why stunt his growth and, and and pay a premium to do so? Because teams think you have to work that way. That's sort of what I mean. The NHL has to start realizing that you've got to play young guys in key positions because of the cap. Yeah. Well, I suppose. You know, that's his only way he's going to get paid. Because yeah. I can't think of, I don't know what other teams are out there that are looking for uh, high-priced goaltending like that. Edmonton? Is he going to go there? No. Yeah, Florida's got Luongo. Maybe is Minnesota, San, maybe? Is San Jose going to stick with Stella? They might, but I don't think they're going to drop Niemi to pay yep. to pay Miller. Yep. Maybe Minnesota. That's tough because Backstrom just keeps getting injured. Yeah. So but there's a lot of money um, sitting. But, yeah, he's he's on the hook for a few more years. If yeah, they buy him so. out. So you can you can buy out any contract you want before the end of this year, whatever date they've got it listed as, and that's classed as a compliance buyout. As long as the contract was not signed after they agreed yep. to all that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Geez, that does give some flexibility for some of these teams. I mean, they still have to fork out all the coin for a guy that's not playing for them, which obviously some teams will take into account. But it, yeah, you could see them. You can see them buying out a guy that can't seem to get on the ice for a guy that's extremely durable. So, there's a possibility with Minnesota. I don't, yeah. It was always assumed that they were going to spend the money they had on Vanek, but I'm not. that's not really a certainty anymore. I, I think the perception is Vanek didn't have a terrific playoff. So uh, you reckon he put himself enough? I don't, I don't think he was awful. But he's not going to get seven mil a year like he did. So it'll be interesting. Um, perhaps Vancouver for Miller. Oh yeah, that that goaltending situation in Vancouver is baffling. I mean, they they 
They had two really good goalies, and now they, they don't have any. Starts, they don't have one now. <laughs> they really butchered that. Gillis really butchered that. I was going to say, who do you lay the blame on for that? And Gillis is the, the one you think about when you hear that. The, the Jets should be thinking about a goalie upgrade. Because Pavlik is just uh, a dumpster fire, as far as I'm concerned. He's he holds that team back, him and him only. You you writing that poorly? Yes, he's terrible. Yeah. He's the low replacement people, level goalie. A lot of people treat him like a lot of people treat Fleury, and then I'll oh, give him a better team, and and he'll be better. But yeah, I think you might be right. I think both their contracts you don't get value out of, but I think Pavlik's yeah, but he's on the kind hook. of bad. He's on the hook until sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, they just they just re up them. No, that doesn't really help the cause, does it? I would uh, I'd get compliant on that. <laughs> yeah, you won't hear me behind that. I mean, they really don't have a bad core group of players. I actually kind of like their core group of players, but they're kind of in this weird spot where they're stuck with some bad lower-end players that don't contribute. Yeah. Like the Anthony Pelusos and Chris Thorburns and yeah. that kind of stuff where you're just not getting anything from him or I, Eric Tangrady as well yeah I can't believe that they've got Zach Bogosian signed until 2019-20 at 5.1 and I like Bogosian but I don't think he's worth 5.1 maybe <laughs> not but he's he's fine for that um Bufflin's great I, yeah. I don't know why people criticize him he he drives play he's an offensive machine he's, yeah, he's he not a problem that. And he's listed as a forward on Capgate. Yeah, but he's fine. Enstrom's pretty good. Yep. I got no I like problem him. with him. Truva's going to be great. Yep. And then you've got Vanda. Well, I don't know what to, to make of the things I hear on the internet and otherwise about him being on the trade block. It, it just befuddles me. I, I don't understand it. He shouldn't no, shouldn't no. be on the trade block. But he doesn't have any trade clauses in his contract, so they could literally shift him wherever they want. Okay, so how's that help them? I don't know. It's one of those things where you get there and you go, you get rid of him. What are you replacing him with? It's one of those things where you he's... get you get fans on certain teams and you go, okay, we'll get rid of him because we think he's a problem child. And you go, righty, no worries. You've still got to get back assets that fill what you're losing from Kane and I just I can't see a team that's going to give up what I think the Jets would want back for a guy like Kane well here's the catch I'm not so sure that their value if they were to put him on the trade market I would argue they don't really know what his value is yeah I can get that yep they're probably not going to get a return that makes sense because he shouldn't be on the market. He is the kind of player 
you build around. Yeah, skill, young, skilled, fast, great. skilled, tough, modern hockey five tool guy. So yeah, you want to hear an argument? And at five point two five million, great cap hit. There's a ton to like. So I don't under. Hey, if they put him on the market, it'll be fascinating to watch that one unfold. It's it's one of those things, you know. The old rule of thumb was whoever gives up the better player usually loses out on a trade. Um, and I think I don't particularly like that phrase, but I think in this situation, I don't particularly care what they get back for Kane. I think they lose. Yeah. Because well, I think it's actually very marketable. I know that people say, oh, he's got issues off the ice and all that sort of stuff, but I legitimately think that they can get back the on-ice investment they make with him in regards to what he can, can garner for sponsorship and, and ticket sales and jersey sales, all those sorts of things. So um, I think it would be folly for a, a, a team like Winnipeg to, to give him up. Yeah, they have... They have good forwards. Wheeler's good. Kane's good. Brian Little is very underrated. He's he's really good, yeah. I think. Uh, Lad's good. And then you get to that bottom six, and it's kind of blah, but you can do some things to to fix that. Um, do they do they re-up Oli Okunen? I mean, you could do that. I don't think he's going to make $4.5 million in his next contract. But, like, even picking up guys like Lee Stepniak, guys like that that can play a little bit in a third-line yeah. role, you don't have to have Eric Tangrady and Chris Thorburn on your roster. Yeah, well, that Thorburn style of player... Is going to be grandfathered out of the game, I think, within the next two or three years. Maybe not, but for the smart teams, it will be. You know, and I think I think that's the problem because those teams that don't grandfather them out, they're the ones that are, are going to go backwards. It'll happen eventually. Yeah, we'll see. I I know I've been a uh, bullish. If if Kane, if Kane was available, um, for for the Penguins to to go full press on that, I think he's absolutely the player they need. Um, would that would that be with James Neal involved in that trade? Definitely. Um, obviously not a one for one, as far as I'm no. concerned. I think Kane's value is uh, higher. Uh, but if the Jets are trading Kane away, I'm still not sure they understand his value. Uh, so I think he could bamboozle them into a Neil Fleury trade. They obviously don't understand goaltending. <laughs> you know, they may think, oh, Fleury's past cup champion. Yeah, but that was five, four years ago now. Five. five years ago. Yeah. And he didn't even play well during that run. That was the one before. Sparkling in 0708 when they lost pedestrian ever since. And that's not you taking a crack at him, it's you taking a crack at the performance. Yeah. He's a guy that 
If you're looking to clear cap space, if you're the Penguins, they'd be one of the first guys I'd look at. And you've got, and it's that argument of who do you replace him with, but you've got a couple of ideas in regards to who they should replace him with. James Ryan is one that you, you've you've pushed a, a, a bit in some of your blogs and stuff like that. Have you got anyone else that that you would consider trying to fill that hole at around about that, you know, two million to three point five million sort of dollar mark? Like free agency, I I, I wouldn't overpay like a Hiller Miller. Kind of thing. No, that's, that's what I mean. Like that's why I gave the parameters. Like three point five would be the most you'd want to fork out. Um, and even in a trade, when, when you've got a goalie coming back, you don't want the cap hit to be four and a half mil. I know every dollar counts, and that's five hundred grand that you've got cheaper. But you'd want a larger, a larger chunk of change. Well, less less money coming back than you know four point five. I think James Reimer is the one that's just belligerently obvious. The Leafs don't want him. Take him. Is he, is he UFA? He's an RFA, but they might not even tender him. God, I'd wait to um, I'd wait to hold off, and if they don't tender him, get him as a UFA, and, and then you've got freedom to do what you want with Fleury, apart from the fact that he has to tell you what teams he's happy to go to. I'd trade for his rights. Yeah, oh, I like you'd actually go that early. Yeah, give him Brooks or Picks rights. Toronto will lead that up. Yes, yeah, bye bye Brooks. Well, he's gone anyways. Yeah. From Pittsburgh, so it, Toronto, <laughs> you know though, they love that kind of player. Yeah, just it's a little baffling as to why they keep. Who cares? Him. Let them have it. They they have a goalie asset that they don't value and they have a certain mold of player that they do, do rights for rights. Yep. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of their stupidity if they want to go that road. Actually, one one team we did sort of miss on the West Coast um, are the Sharks. It looks as though they, they want to make some serious changes to their roster. And I said to you before, or you said it to me, they shouldn't blow that up. They shouldn't make a drastic change. They should run with that roster that they've got. Yes, absolutely. They had the Stanley Cup champions down and out at Dead. 3-0. Yeah. And I'm not so sure they don't finish that series off if Vlasic doesn't get hurt for the, for the final few games of that series. Because Vlasic is their best defenseman. And to, to lose such a significant piece, that's tough to overcome when you're playing against a Stanley Cup caliber team like the LA yeah. Kings. So it they're overreacting. It doesn't, take, it doesn't take much to throw your entire rhythm out in regards to um, you lose a key component to your team and everything goes crazy. It's like, you know... Dupuy is, is Dupuy for the Penguins, but you lose him and the whole structure of, of, of that top six got thrown out of whack and was never the same after that knee injury. So imagine what it's like for your back six to, to lose someone like Vlasic. That's, it's even bigger, I suppose, would be a better way to put it. Yeah. yeah. The problem with the Sharks is that they're going to look at like the, the past five to eight years of, of their failures, quote-unquote, 
Yeah. But really, they should only be focused with last year, what their roster was, and why things went wrong last year. And they were an excellent team last year. They were built terrifically, um, at least in my opinion. And they took it to the Stanley Cup champion for the beginning portion of that series. Just looks bad how they lost it. You know what I mean? It's like Pittsburgh. They were three-one up and, and lost three games in a row. Um, San Jose lost four in a row. It looks really, really bad, and it, the optics of it can sometimes make people overreact. Um, and you're right; they should only be taking what happened this year into account and looking at, at the roster from this year moving forward, not what they had five years ago on their roster and looking at how all those disappointments have added up and, and, and left them at this point. Like it would, it would really hurt. Um, the players and, and really hurt the, the management and the coaching staff how it ended, but you, you shouldn't overreact. That's a, still a really good roster there. Yeah, I mean, the Kings crushed the Blackhawks at the beginning portion of their series, and let's be honest, the Blackhawks were probably the favorite, yes? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Sharks aren't far off. Why, why are you going to get rid of Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe? Because they're easy options. They're not, though. They have no trade clauses. And... No, no, no. They're, they're, and now they're you're easy. limited in where you can deal them. They're easy targets is what I mean, I should have said. More so than easy options. Like, Milo cops a lot of flack for playoffs. Yeah, and same with Thornton. Though. He's a borderline no. superstar. They're, they're easy people to target and point the finger at because of the history that they've had. And you, you sit there with it and it's just like, You've got to look beyond the, the optics of, of how it ended and, and the historical reputation that some of these players have and look at how they actually performed through the, this season and, and through this playoff run. And it's I don't think it's a situation where you want to blow them up. I mean, what are you going to do if you, you get rid of them? You're going to take a few steps back and, and hope you get back to that level again? I mean, obviously, I understand letting a guy like Dan Boyle go. Yeah. That, you know, he's he's not a bad player, but, you know, 6.66 mil, that's off your books. That That's not a bad thing for them. But I believe I heard Brent Burns, they're putting him back on defense. Again, I believe I heard that. Yeah, I, I heard that too. I don't know if I like that. I, I really like him playing where he did. He was on Thornton's wing, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think that yeah, really brings it. I think what's great about that is it just it creates more space for Thornton. And Thornton's a big body and he does know how to use it. But to have someone there that creates that space for him so he can work his magic, I think is great. Unless they've got someone that they think can come in and play that same role, um, and obviously they do. Um, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put Burns on the back end. And moving Burns back to defense, if you're going to trade Thornton and Marlowe, I mean now you got three forward holes. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they go. I hope they don't. I hope they don't do anything drastic and get rid of you know one of their key components uh, in, in their top six. 
I think that would be that would be crazy. But you know, general managers often feel like they they need to make a drastic change, or ownership does. I mean, look what happened to the Penguins. Things like that happen. So. I don't know. I just think they ran into quite a hell of a first-round matchup. And I know their past failures, it, it, everything just gets compounded. Yeah. I don't think it's good business to break that team up. No, but I mean, that's the thing, like you said, boils off the books. They can make some adjustments because they've got all that cap space all of a sudden with that contract oh, off. Oh, you a boy? Or a yeah, I agree. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what they're crazy enough to do. Anything else around the league? Um I don't think so. I think I think we've covered off everything in regards to, so it doesn't take much. It's like what is it? Less than forty eight hours and already there's all of this activity that's you know come to the forefront. It doesn't take long, does it? No, the buyout window starts tomorrow. Uh it, that one will be really interesting to watch. We'll I mean there's obvious candidates like Brad Richards and Billy Leno, but I think um, there's there's always potential for some surprise players that you weren't really thinking of. Do you, in in those situations is it do you think the length of the contract will be the problem with some of these rather than just the immediate fact that the cap hit is whatever it is? You know, like you used um, the. Um, Mike Richards one is a really good example in regards to the length of that cap hit is, is what the issue is there for him. Can you think of anyone off the top of your head where the length of the contract will be the reason for the buyout more so than the, the actual cap hit? Um, not off the top of my head, but there's certainly guys that you sign them because there aren't better options at the time in free agency. Hmm. But you yeah. don't always have this freebie get out of jail card, and now you're left like um, he gave us a few years here. Yeah, maybe we and should hit why, the reset button. That's why the Richards contract is a really good example because that the actual cap number's not too bad. But you get there and you get all the way to the end of the contract, the last three years, you can't walk away from that. Whereas you can walk away from it now. Correct. Trying to just go, to just go, find a few teams here. Let's see, let's see. Yeah, because the Devils have been saved. Hmm? The Devils have been saved. I mean, the other thing is Trevor Zajac. He's signed through till quite a while, but. That 5.7 seems to be okay. He's a pretty good player, probably a little bit underappreciated. I don't think he's 5.75 good. but yeah. And the cap's not going to go down, so it ends up being more and more reasonable. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered everything off, really, haven't we? Yeah, it should be... Um... Should be a very interesting couple of weeks leading up to free agency. Uh, draft's going to be mixed in there. Buyouts, offer sheets, hopefully a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Well, it's, it's funny because you sort of hear that this 
this draft is a you know one of the weaker ones, and also this crop of UFAs isn't one of the strongest we've seen. So it will be interesting to see what some of these people get numbers-wise for their contracts when it comes to it. Well, I can confidently say the the UFA market is very weak. Um, I can't pretend to make claims about the the quality of the draft because I I don't. I've only seen the best players of this draft, very limited, let alone, and I've, you know, the second, yeah. third rounders. So I'm not going to pretend to take a dump on this draft when I don't really I've, I've, I'm not in a place to make that. Yeah. Neither am I, really. So the the free agency market, I do agree. It's weak. Matt Niskanen's front and center, and I'm not so sure he's better than a number four. On a good team. If if Shero had still been the GM of the Penguins, I think it was probably good for the Penguins that this particular UFA group was a weaker one because he's always tried to go out and make a splash in UFA, and that's what burnt the Penguins with the Scuderi contract. So having a different set of eyes on the roster might not be a bad idea. Yeah, but I'm not so sure he doesn't just go out and do it anyways yeah well it's an interesting or situation. just or, I think he would have re-signed Niskanen I think he would have yeah, further buried the younger guys so well hopefully that doesn't happen this year no I don't think it will so um, we're going to try and get the draft expert on in the next few weeks uh so that we can have somebody that's educated on the topic talk about it before it happens. So if we, we line that up, we'll uh, be sure uh, to let you know who that is. And uh, the person we have in mind, it's very, very good in my opinion. So hopefully we can uh, make that happen. So Get some lovely insight, it'd be good. Correct. So, well, that will do it for this week. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gunner Stahl, Cameron Walsh at Walshy66. You can find our website at hockeyhertz.com. Hockey underscore Hertz is the Twitter handle. And uh, you can find my Penguins related articles at hockeybuzz.com. You can find some of my analytics based articles at Hockey Prospectus. And, uh, and you can get and shape over the internet at uh, coachcw.com. Yes? That's the one. So that'll do it for us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.